Well, I'm Clayton Owen. I'm the administrative pastor here at First Baptist Church this morning. Uh, Josh pinch hit in the leadoff role, and uh, I'm coming off the bench in the two spot trying to move him over. Josh, would you stand up a second since I'm the red beast? Stand up. Everybody look at Josh. He's got a suit on. Okay? To preach in the first service this morning, you know, Chris said, you got to wear a suit. And, of course, uh, he's not used to wearing ties. He had a tie on, but it was only to right here. So, But anyway, he, he did a great job this morning. If you get a chance, uh, it'll, it'll be up uh, tomorrow where you can listen to it. I think on Monday and on Tuesday you could watch it. So uh, you'd be blessed by that. I know being youth ministers, we're used to teaching series or going through books of the Bible and stuff. And so coming up and doing a one-shot message uh, sometimes is a little tough. And uh, so spending some time in prayer and thought, because I just want to leave you something that would challenge you, that would encourage you. And I believe there's something in us when we have a relationship with Christ where we want our lives to make a difference. We want to make an impact. We want to influence other people With the gospel, because the gospel can totally and completely change things. I know people in the youth group that I had that were not heads. And the gospel transformed them. I've done some marriage and family counseling. I've known some spouses that were not heads. And the gospel totally and completely transformed a husband, a wife, a family. The gospel has the capacity to change people's lives. It can change people's outlook on business. It can change people's courage. It can change a mean person into a kind person. The gospel can change. And God wants you to be involved in the business of changing people's lives. Richard Stearns in his book, Unfinished, he is the founder of World Vision that provides uh, care to children all around the world that are in uh, difficult situations. And his book, Unfinished, He wrote about the fact God left, and when he left in Acts, it looks like things are fixing to take off, and God leaves. And he leaves saying, now you're to be my hands, you're to be my feet, you're to be my eyes and my ears, and you are to finish my work, because he knew we had that desire in us to want to make an impact and a difference, and he said, this is how you're going to do it. This is your opportunity to influence lives and change people, and I've left this for here for you to do. The word influence means the capacity or the opportunity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone. The capacity or the opportunity to have an effect to make a change on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, and that's exactly what the gospel will do when it gets inside somebody's heart and mind. I'm not a huge Charles Dickens fan because he could have said what he said in about 150 less pages. But, and a lot of times he wrote um, about some of the terrible conditions in, in England during his time. You know, one of his books, Oliver Twist, made into an exciting musical, Oliver. Uh, you men will all want to check it out. But it talks about the kind of hunger that existed. And during that time, there was tuberculosis, there was diphtheria, there was cholera outbreaks were common. School was only for the extremely wealthy. It's estimated that four out of five people lived in poverty uh, circumstances. And most of the children at that time, because of that, they had to go and they had to work. And there were no child labor laws. So here are children as young as four, five, six years old having to work in factories, having to go into mines, especially places where adults could not go. And during this time, John Wesley was around. John is Charles' brother. John was a great uh, preacher. 
And John wanted to know, there's this picture from his Olin Mill shot at his church in 1738. But he said, what can I do to impact my circumstances? I don't want my circumstances to define me. But how can I impact the circumstances? How can I have an influence for Christ in the midst of these circumstances? And so John Wesley had been involved in a methodical type of Bible study. Pre-conversion, he was involved in a Bible. It was part of the holiness movement where basically you studied to know uh, what sin needed to be out of your life, how to be more like Christ, how to let the grace of Christ come out in your life. And he had studied that. And he just never found a peace or comfort in that, never could do enough. And on a trip to America, he was going to visit Georgia. During that time, he realized salvation is by faith through grace, not by works. And he accepted Christ. And then he realized this type of Bible study could be very useful in discipling people. So he goes back to England, and he starts these small Bible studies all throughout where they do this methodical Bible study, which is where our term Methodist uh, came from, but he starts these. And in these Bible studies, people come in, they've been at work in the factory, they've been there all week, and he just is trying to give them a little hope. They read God's Word, they talk about God's Word, that you're a person of value, you're a person of worth, that God loves you. You do need to live a life that's, that's holy, that's set apart. They introduce the gospel to people and, un, and help people understand when the gospel comes into your life, you're to make things better. And as a result of that. Some of the things that came out were orphanages were formed, where there are a lot of orphans going around with no place to go. Mental asylums were formed. A lot of times these folks just got thrown into prison or were wandering the streets. Prison, um, pr prison ministry uh, began by some of their people. Uh, hospitals were started, and especially hospitals for people that could not provide care. Florence Nightingale began the nursing profession. Wilbur Wilberforce brought an end to the English slave trade. William and Catherine Booth formed the Salvation Army, and all of it rooted out of these small Bible studies where John Wesley said, what's a little thing that I can do to make a difference, to make an impact? Josh this morning preached about uh, Paul and Silas. And so as he told me what he was preaching about, and I was kind of looking for a guy, I said, that's a great, I'm just going to swipe, swipe that from you uh, this morning. But Paul and Silas is a great example of someone that did not allow, that's, that's their shot, uh, also from the Olin Mills prison directory, uh, but Paul's the one on the left and Silas the one on the right. Um, but anyway, and their situation, the circumstances that they found themselves in, do we let that define us? Or do we use these circumstances to make an impact, to make a difference for Christ? If you look in your Bibles, you don't have to. I don't have this up here, but it's in Acts chapter 16, Matthew, Luke, well, whatever, those first four Gospels, and then Acts. Uh, in your New Testament, chapter 16, beginning in verse 16 and going through verse 40, you get the story of Paul and Silas. And I'm just going to give you the Cliff Notes version of it. But basically, Paul and Silas, they're out, they're spreading the gospel, they're making a difference in people's lives, and there's this one little girl that's demon-possessed that's following around. And probably at first this was pretty cool and pretty neat. This girl's following around. Here's Paul and Silas, you know, servants of the Most High God, telling people how they can be saved. And that's probably pretty neat. You know, okay, we got some publicity here. But after several days of it, it gets a little old. And so Paul turns around. Why he waited, I don't know. But he turns around and he basically casts the demon out of her. And we think, well, that's a good thing. He helped this person. 
but the person that she was in business with had used this demonic ability that she had for profit. And he's not happy. We could do a whole sermon series on how the gospel can affect us economically, but we won't. But it affected him economically, and he's not happy. So in this day, which it seems like what they do a lot in the New Testament, they kind of stir everybody into a frenzy. Let's whoop everybody up. Let's get them going. So everybody gets excited, and they come after him, and they start spreading false charges. You know, these guys are, are wanting to... Uh, say things against the Roman government, and so they take them out, they beat them, and then after they've whooped up a frenzy and beat them, throw them into, and then they throw them into jail. Later we'll try you and see if there's any charges. So they throw them into jail. So here they have been unjustly thrown into prison. They're just wanting to spread the gospel. They're wanting to make things better. They're wanting to serve Jesus. And as a result, they're thrown into jail. And it would have been very easy for them to get angry, to get bitter, to go hire three or four attorneys to get us out of this situation, to bring up a news frenzy about how we've been unjustly uh, put into prison. But instead, what they do is they say, in these circumstances, how can we influence people for Jesus Christ? And what do they do? They start singing and praising God. And the amazing thing about them singing and praising God is all the prisoners are taking it in. I mean, they're listening. They're mesmerized. They see a love, a joy, a peace. They see that. They hear that. And Paul and Silas. And the way that we know that they're mesmerized, because when the earthquake comes, the chains fall off, the doors fly open, not just of Paul and Silas, but of everybody, everybody stays. Nobody leaves. Paul and Silas, sometimes Paul got good treatment in prison. Here he is thrown into the innermost prison. It's cold, it's damp, it probably stinks. He's uncomfortable because his legs are in chains and he can't move about and he's freed up and you think, man, I'm, I'm out of here. This is an act of God, I'm out of here. But no, he says, no, God's got a purpose for me here and I'm going to stay right here where I am and see how I can make a difference. And this jailer, he's thinking, they're all going to leave. That's what anybody would do and he starts to kill himself and he doesn't. And because Paul didn't allow his circumstances to impact him, but it said, how can I influence people in the midst of my circumstances? A jailer that was about to kill himself comes to know Christ. His family comes to know Christ. Those prisoners, we don't hear all of the details, but if they stayed when there was an opportunity to go, obviously they were influenced for the gospel. And we don't know how all that rippled out, but I'm sure that it did. Because Paul said, I'm not going to let my circumstances define me. But instead, in the midst of them, I'm going to influence people for Jesus Christ. And that's what God has called every person in this room to do. God has placed you in a situation, in circumstances, among people. And he says, what I want you to do that's going to give your life such joy and such purpose and such power and such impact is where I've placed you, influence people for the gospel. And you have no idea. So what difference is it going to make with one people or two people? I want to do something big. Again, go back to the example of John Wesley. You be faithful where you are with little things, with those that God has put around you, your friends and your family and your coworkers, and influence them. And we have no idea what that ripple effect may be in their family, in their work, in their friendship, and wherever God takes them. Now... To be able to have that influence, I gave you a little card. Some of them probably fell out on the floor and this other. Some of them are in your bulletin, but I gave you a little card. And it's just a little card, like a little gift card, and it is just to remind you 
that God gave you the gift of salvation. He gave you the gift of himself. And now he wants you to be about the business of giving him to other people. And there's a couple of things I'm going to have you jot down on the back of that card. And if you don't jot them down here, you can jot them down at home. And if you've lost your card, you can jot them on your hand or your arm or whatever. But I want you to think about a couple of things. And I want us to think, to, to be an influence, there's a few things that God has given us to be able to do that. The first thing that God has given us to be able to influence other people with the gospel is he has given you the gift of your life. A lot of times when I preach, I use this passage. A lot of times in funerals and weddings, I use this passage. I think this passage is profound. In Psalms 139, 13 through 16, it says... For you were created, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God created you and designed you exactly like he wants you to be because there is a certain way that he wants you to influence other people that he's not created anybody else to do. And he has created and designed you. He has allowed you to experience the things that you have experienced in life, some of the hurts, some of the pains, the highs and the lows, because he's developing your character. He's developing a testimony that you uniquely can use to impact other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know it's easy to look and say, God, I know I was fearfully and wonderfully made, but wouldn't I be a little more fearful and wonderful if you just fluff up the hair right here in the front just a little bit? You know, we've all got things like that in our lives where we look and we compare ourselves to other people and say, God, I know, but if I just had this or this, and sometimes we can get angry and upset about God, and we don't embrace the fact God made you like he did for a reason and for a purpose. And he's allowed you what to experience for a reason and a purpose, and it's to make an impact, to have an influence in other people's lives. How boring it would be to go to the zoo, and everywhere you went, it was hippos. I love the hippo. If we had the hippo in Louisiana on Dowling's menu would be the pulled hippo meat and I'd get it with some pepper jack on a wheat bun. But if you go to the zoo, there's, you know, there's the hippo, cool little animal, little baby hippo, isn't that neat? But then if you went to the monkey cage and you go over there and sitting in trees, there's hippos. What is that with this? And you go to the reptile cage and behind the glass you want to tap on the rattlesnake instead, there's a hippo. And you go over where the penguin should be, the bear should be, hippo, hippo, hippo. Hippos are great. But one of the neat things about a zoo is we see the creative ability of God. We see uh, all the uniqueness and the variety that God made in creation, and we appreciate it. Well, you know what? We need to do that with each other. We need to do that with ourselves, that God made us, and he made others exactly like he did, and we need to appreciate that in others, and we need to appreciate that in ourselves because that is one of the things that God uses how uniquely we're made to share the message that God has given to us, the opportunities he will place in him to impact other people for Christ. But when God made us, he also made us with a free will. He made us with the ability to choose. We see in the Garden of Eden, he gave Adam and Eve, okay, one choice. Sorry, it's one thing, don't do it. And of course they did it. 
And that's just indica of how we are. We're created in the image of God so that it's desire in us to think that we can be like God, that we don't need God, that we can do it ourselves. That's how the serpent tempted them. That was why Satan got kicked out of heaven. I can be God. I can do it myself. I can make it on my own. And that's what we try and do. And in Isaiah, uh, it talks about the fact that we've all, like sheep, gone astray because we think we can do it ourselves and we make it, but we can't. And because we get separated from God, God provided a second gift. He provided the gift of Jesus Christ. In Romans 6.23 it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is Jesus Christ. Because God knew we would stray, he knew we would separate, he said, I've got to make provision for people to come back into relationship with me. And he did that through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates his own love to us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans 10.13 says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In Romans 10.9 and 10 it says confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you will be saved. God makes salvation possible. He says I've given you this life and I want you to use it to impact the world. But I've also given you free choice and I know you're going to drift. But I want to make it possible for you to come back to me so that when you come back to me you can go out and you can understand why I've created you and how you can influence the world. So the first question that I want to ask you and I want you to put a one on the back of your card or you can make it in your head or whatever. This is not a yes or no question, so do not answer this question yes or no. If you answer yes or no, someone of the deacons will come out and thump you in the ear because that's what they did to me in school. They thumped me in the ear or thumped me on the back of the head or whatever. I've, I've been through counseling. I'm better now. But someone will come out uh, if you do that. So it's not a yes or no question. And this is an important question. Because if God is going to use you to influence people for Christ, you've got to have an answer to this question. And the question is, do you know when it was that you came to a relationship with Jesus Christ? For me, like if I was writing on that card, I would put summer, I mean a spring, 1984. In spring of 1984 is when I know that I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you had asked me before that, I would have said, I hope, I think, I'm certain, I'm pretty confident. But in spring of 1980, since then I can say spring 84, I know that I came into a relationship with Christ. No doubt whatsoever. So I want to know on number one, can you write, I don't care whether you know the day or the month, but you know there was a point in time in your life, not that you think, not that you hope, not that you're pretty sure, but you know that you have come into relationship with Jesus Christ. Because the wonderful news is today, if you can't, then you can leave here totally and completely changed, and you can leave knowing. If you want to right now, you can just come down, interrupt the service, go sit with Josh, go sit with Wayne over here, go talk to Brandon, go talk to somebody, and they would be more than happy to talk with you about how you can know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And once we come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, God doesn't just leave us there. He says, okay, now that you're in relationship with me, now that you understand I've created you for a purpose, I have equipped you, I have empowered you, I have given you some gifts that you can go and impact the world for me. These are gifts from our Father. These are gifts from our Dad, our Abba Father. And He gives us gifts to equip us and empower us to go out and change the world. What does He give us? He gives us permanence. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, and these aren't up on the screen, but He just talks about nothing 
can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. In John 10, 28, he talks that we're in the palm of God's hands and nothing can get us out. You have permanence. And there's a world of people that because of broken relationships and hurt and pain, they need to know about the permanence of Christ and you can share that with them. When we come to Jesus Christ, we get his presence. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says we're the temples of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 14 talks about the fact that uh, the Holy Spirit is given as a deposit, guaranteeing the inheritance that is to come. You have God's presence. You don't have to go to a building. You don't have to go to a place. God is with you, and he's not going anyplace. And whatever you face or go through, God's with you, and there are people out there that need to be influenced with that message that you're not in this alone. Somebody is with you that's not going any place that loves you greatly. We also get the power of God in our lives. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and a sound mind. God has given us power, so no matter what big of an obstacle we face, God gives us the ability to overcome and to face that obstacle and to stand for Jesus Christ. And there are a world of people out there that are going through hurts and difficulties and pain and say, there's no way I can get through this. And they need to know that there is a power in Jesus Christ that is available to them. We get the privilege to pray. Uh, Matthew 6, 19, it talks about the fact that, you know, Jesus is teaching them, this is how you shall pray. He's teaching them how to pray. In Colossians 4.2, he says, continue in prayer. In Philippians 4.6, he says, in everything you do, pray. Jesus is our high priest. We get to pray to him, and he takes our request to the Father. That's a privilege we get to be in communication with God. I've always told the kids, just set a chair up over here, set a chair up for God, and just sit down and have a conversation. And let him know your worries and your fears and your hurts and your pains and just pour it out to God because he will listen, he will hear, and he cares. And there are people that need to know that they don't have to do life alone. We also get produce. I was just trying to come up with P words is why I came up with produce, you know, to make them all match. But basically, we're saying we get the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, and 23, it says the produce we get from God is we get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. I may have added an extra one in there. I don't know. But we get those things from God. It's not that you have to acquire them. Those are immediately available to you. That the love of God will pour out from you. That's what people in John Wesley's time, they, that's what they found in those Bible studies. They found uh, love, they found joy, they found peace that in their difficult circumstances they didn't see. That's what Paul and Silas were able to communicate to those prisoners, that there is a love and joy and peace bigger than your circumstances that you find yourself in. And it is available in Jesus Christ, and that's available to you, and it's available for you to share with others. And the last thing we get is we get spiritual gifts. I couldn't come up with a P word for that. But um, Romans 12 Chapter 1 talks about the fact that it says, Therefore I urge you, urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then in verse 4 it says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Verse 7 says, If it is serving, let him serve it. If it is teaching, let him teach. But whatever it is we use, we're using it for the common good. We're using it to build up other people. God's given you these spiritual gifts, mercy, compassion. I know when I got changed, I was a person that was self-centered and was not very compassionate and not very concerned about how what I did affected you, and God transformed that. 
He changed that. And God can change people. Rough people, difficult people, hard people, people entrenched in sin. God can change them. And then he can gift them and use them. And he has gifted you and wants to use you. So, finishing up here. God's brought, he created you. He's brought you into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. He has equipped you with everything that you need to go out and change the world. And now he says, the gift that I'm giving you is I want you to give your life back to me in service to me. I want you to give your life to God. Paul talks about the fact in in two places. In Philippians 2.17, he says, Even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice. And then in 2 Timothy 4, 6, uh, he says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. A drink offering was used along with the burnt offerings and the grain offerings as part of the sacrificial system. Obviously, it was symbolic of the blood of Christ that would be shed. Once the blood of Christ was shed, there's no more need for a drink offering. And what he says is, I want you, in Romans chapter 12, 1, I want you to be a living sacrifice, a living offering for me. Go out and pour yourself out in service and love to other people and let them see Christ through what you say and what you do and how you treat them. And his plan for doing that is the gift of influence. He gives that plan in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. He goes, my plan's simple. What I want you to do, I want you to love me the way you show that you love me. I want you to love other people. I want you to invest yourselves in the lives of other people. Whatever circumstances, situation, wherever you're at right now, pour my love out by loving other people. And his plan for doing it Going back to the beginning is in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And he says, go into all the world and make disciples. He said, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Given to me. So go into all the world and make disciples. So basically he's saying, go everywhere and make disciples. Make disciples right where you are. Make disciples all over the world. But I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. To be a disciple, you've got to first be a follower of Jesus Christ. And then once you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, our goal is to help people look like Christ, so then they will share the message of Christ, and then so they will help people to look like Christ, and they will have Christ's heart and desire and motivations, and they will want to go out and say, how can we impact and make things better? That's where the heart came from that started the Salvation Army. That's where the heart came from that started the orphanages. That's where the heart came from that started the prison ministries. How can I go out and influence where I'm talented, where I'm gifted, where I have opportunities, where I have passion? How can I go out there and make a difference for Jesus Christ? That's what God's called every one of you here to do. In your schoolroom, where you go to college, where you work, in your family, in your circles of friendship. He says, influence that environment for me. Don't leave it the same. And you never know that one that you influence at school, that one you influence at work, the difference that may make in their marriage, their family, their work, and how God wants to change and transform and use them and ripple from that who they may impact with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the last two things I want you to write on the back of your card, now or later, This is not to make you feel bad. This is not to kick you. It is to remind you because it's easy in this life to get distracted from what God has called us to do. But it is to remind you of why you're here 
and how God wants to use you and ultimately how you'll find purpose and joy and peace. No matter where you are, no matter what you do, nurse, teacher, engineer, uh, working in construction, driving a truck, this is what you can do to make an eternal impact. Here's this, number two that I want you to write down. First thing was when you came to Christ. Second thing is this. Immediately, who comes to your head when I say, who are you influencing for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who are you influencing for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And you may just want to put out initials. And you say, well, gosh, nobody comes to my head. If nobody comes to your head, you're probably in good company with a lot of folks that go to church. And if they don't, then what you need to do, what I challenge you to do today, what I challenge you to do this week is just pray and say, God, I understand you've placed me here to impact people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, let my eyes see people that you have around me that need your love. Let my ears be open. Let me bring people into my path. Help me see people into my path. Don't let me just assume these people that I work around that are nice people have a relationship with me. Father, help me to be intentional about praying for people, intentional about living my faith in front of people, intentional about looking opportunities to build relationships with people, intentional about inviting people to church, intentional about looking for opportunities to share my faith with other people. My prayer is that on number two, if you don't have some initials, that today, this next week, this next month, that God will place people on your heart. For us to feel the vision that God has for this church, it's going to take all of us embracing our calling as Christians to go and make disciples. And that means followers of Jesus Christ. Here's the third thing that I want you to think about. And again, probably the majority of you in here, names aren't going to come to your head. That's okay. Again, pray about it today, this week, this next month. But if I ask you, number three, who are you intentionally involved in a discipleship relationship with? Who are you intentionally involved in a discipleship relationship with? Who would you put down? This past week, uh, myself, Phil Swallow, and Lance Patterson uh, started meeting on Thursday mornings. It's not me discipling them. We're going to disciple each other. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to learn from each other. I may get the courage like them to shave my head. Uh, but we're in an intentional discipleship relationship with each other. I also, as a dad, have responsibility to Josh. You know, we've, we've started going through uh, the Old Testament. I forget some days, and he had Dad, aren't we supposed to? Oh, yeah, thanks. And, and he reminds me. So I struggle with that just like you guys struggle with that. But we have a responsibility to our spouses, to our children. Even if they've left home and they're 40 years old, we have a responsibility to pray with them, to, to ask them, to challenge them. Are you in church? How's your walk with Christ going? But we need to be intentionally in discipleshipping relationships with other people. And I hope that if you're not that maybe today you'll come down and you'll say, or you'll write on your prayer card and say, you know, I'm not, but I want to be. Maybe you're a person that says, you know, I'm not, I just need to be mentored by somebody spiritually. And maybe you're somebody that says, you know, I'd love to mentor somebody. And maybe like me and Phil and Lance, you say, I just want to be with some guys that will hold me accountable and help me live for Christ. Some of you have been through Call to Joy, and it's time for you to take some other people through. But we need to be intentionally involved in helping people be more and more like Christ, helping to identify things that need to be let go, things that need to be picked up, saying, you know what, here's where I struggle. Pray with me. Help me understand this. Uh, and we're just encouraging each other to live for Christ and make an impact where Christ has put us. God wants to use you 
to influence people for Jesus Christ, to be used to change behavior, thinking, thoughts, and actions, and to help people come to know Jesus Christ. Today, as we come to this time of invitation, I just want you to think about those three questions. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, uh, there's going to be a couple of us up front. There's actually going to be a couple at the back doors and one person in the balcony, and they're not there to prevent you from leaving. But they're just simple. You won't have to walk as far. If you want to talk to somebody about how to know Jesus Christ, you only have to step a few feet. Or we'll be there after the service. Talk to us after the service or come by this next week. But if you don't know for certain, that's the number one decision you need to make. Certainly with that, you need to identify with Christ through baptism. That's extremely important and downplayed a lot of times, but that's important. And in addition, you need a church home where people can love you and pray for you, encourage you, and you find a place to serve. But number one is, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And then two and three, I challenge you during this time for God to move your heart towards being intentional about evangelism and and influencing people with the gospel and to be intentional about being in a discipleship relationship with other people. And maybe you want to come pray and say, God, lay somebody on my heart. Or if you've got somebody on your heart, you want to pray for them. And if it's discipling, maybe you want to come and talk to one of my ministers and say, hook me up with some people that can mentor me or I can discipleship with. Whatever you need to do, you do it. We're going to stand. Joe's going to lead. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for loving us and caring for us. And thank you that you left heaven to come down and totally and completely transform our lives. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you uh, that because of him, we have a permanent relationship and we have you with us every day and we have power available in our lives. And thank you that you have left us with this purpose and it's to impact people all around us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to be faithful in doing that. And Father, today, if someone doesn't know you, then let today be the day.